Kaprizov shoots it deflected right in. Peter Angelo save rebound. Stasty stopped by Peter Angelo. I don't believe that save. Even as Peter Stasty. He can't believe the save that Peter Angelo just made on him as Frankie Sparkly. Now that maneuver there to stop and rob Peter Stasty. He should get 5 to 10 for that. Oh. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week, I chat with Anaheim Ducks social media director and goalie, Tyler Pistoia. This is an interesting conversation as Tyler pulls back the curtain a little bit on the day in the life of a social media director in the NHL. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Tyler. Tyler, hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's uh, good to talk to you. Really uh, really happy to be here, Joe. Appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. This will be fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, in your role as a social media uh, manager with the Ducks, you know, you're usually setting these things up for other people and not having to talk about yourself. So I uh, kind of turn the tables. I mean, I'm, I, I always love talking goaltending uh, as a goalie myself. So this will, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to have some fun with this and uh, let's see what, let's see what happens. Yeah. So let's just dive right in, you know, yeah, you're out in California, but are you, are you originally from California or, um, you know, where, where do you hail from? I'm from Long Beach, California. Okay. All right. Um, originally. So yeah, I've been, been a Ducks fan basically my whole life. Um, although I, did a lot of football in college and uh, post college, um, yeah. but worked my way. But worked my way back to um, my original team and my original love, and and I'm and I'm really really happy that I'm here and I'm doing what I love and it's it's good. I I really do enjoy what I do for a living. So, you've got uh, a kid from Long Beach. How does he get into the game of hockey then? Uh, because Long Beach is not what uh, we we would consider a hotbed of hockey. I mean, well, back in the day when I was around, so you're talking like the mid nineties, uh, I was play, we had the, well, what was known as the ice palace in Lakewood. It's now called the rinks Lakewood ice. Um, so my dad's from Brooklyn, New York. Um, that's kind of where the hockey idea came from originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he picked up hockey when I was maybe like five years old and he started playing. He's like, Hey, you know what? I, I, I enjoy this. I want to, I want to give this a shot. And, um, I played just a bunch of in-house leagues and, and that kind of thing until the age of, you know, 16, 17, um, before I went off to college. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been, so I've been, a, I started out originally as a skater. And then once I got to about age 11, I transitioned to goalie and I have not looked back since, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a number of good players from, from Long Beach, um, or around Long Beach area. Emerson Edom's a big one. Uh, yeah. Nieto, who's still in the, Nieto is in the same one. Um, Emerson's a great guy. We've 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 worked with him a, um, a good amount with the Ducks, and he yeah uh, he's a he's a he, he's a good dude. So, but yes, in, in essence, Southern California not necessarily known as a hockey hotbed back in the day, but now with things like the Anaheim Ducks High School Hockey League, you've got uh, with Great Park Ice now offering a ton more resources, a, a lot more options for rinks. You've got Westminster, Yorba Linda, Lakewood, Anaheim, and, and you, you, there's a lot more options for the game of ice hockey. Uh, here in Southern California that I think we as a, as an organization are really, really proud of that. We kind of operate those as well. So that's kind of how I started out. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm really excited actually to see what, how, how many more guys we have 
come out of, or I guess I'll say, yeah, guys and girls, especially girls hockey in, in this area, in this region, um, go to the national team, go to division one colleges, um, mm-hmm. from our programs and our rinks. So it's, it's an exciting time to be a, a an ice hockey player in Southern California. Well, and in California, roller hockey's, uh, you know, a big thing too. How much do you think that influences kids where they, they start out on the roller side and then they're like, you know what? I, I want to get on the ice too. Uh, it's just, you know, finding it in California, most people don't think about it, but you know, to your point, there's a lot more of it now than there was when you were a kid. Sure. Uh, I, I definitely think that the roller hockey is kind of the quote, I'm a roll, ro- roller purists are going to hate me, but maybe I'll say like, it's the gateway drug. Roller hockey is <laughs> the gateway drug into ice hockey. Yeah. And so you've got, but roller hockey is a, probably a little bit more accessible. It, it just takes less of a financial lift to get into play and you can just do roller hockey on, on the street, right? Like you don't need a frozen sheet of water to go out and play. You can just go on your front yard or in your front area or wherever on the street and play and have fun. And that's how it starts. And then you eventually you want to yeah. try ice and you go there. So I, I, I do think, especially with us in SoCal, it's probably the easiest way to get into the sport of hockey and then try and take a, the next step into ice. So that's, I, I, do, I, I do, I think it's wonderful. And that's how I originally I started as well just playing around in my front, you know, front driveway with some roller skates on and just shooting a tennis ball at a net, basically. Well, and being from Long Beach, if they would bring back uh, pro beach hockey with, with the inverted oh. ramps behind the, the net, that, that might help a little. I was there. I, I, I went to multiple pro beach hockey games back in the day um, when it was around. Oh, I, I love that stuff. That was, I remember, I remember the, uh, the Anaheim Bullfrogs that played yes. at a Honda Center as well, the professional in uh, a professional roller hockey league, those were against the LA Blades. Those were those are some great battles. The game, I think, the games were like fifteen to eleven. It yeah, was an absolute blast. I I love going to those games. I remember Al Secord was playing for the Chicago Cheetahs, and they played out of the uh, UIC Pavilion. But yeah, th- those those were roller hockey on TV was just like peak nineties. It was so much fun. It was an absolute yeah. blast. You had the, you had the goalie. In his goalie gear, just uh, like doing the national anthem on the guitar and for yep. Pro Beach Hockey, that was one that stood out to me. Yeah, the, the it, ramping was phenomenal. I, I love, I love that stuff. And then when the pictures of the goalies wearing the sunglasses because sunglasses of the under of the, the mask. Ocean. Oh god, I cannot imagine because I, I actually played goalie in an outdoor roller rink in Long Beach, actually near a beach, and oof, outdoor playing in the sun with no shade as a goalie is a is a rough is a rough go of it even for like a 10 year old. Yeah. So I can only imagine what, what, what those guys were going through. That, that was back when the NHL was doing the uh, breakout roller hockey tournament uh, where they bring inflatable boards to a giant parking lot. And I played in the one in the inaugural one in Chicago. And uh, it was like 98 degrees oh, on the, no. and you're playing on the blacktop. And it, like, I, I wound up with heat stroke. Thank God. You know, I, I was fine, but it was just, what I remember of that weekend was uh, TLC was playing at Soldier Field. So all day you would have the mic checks and, you know, you could hear them, sit, you know, yeah, yeah. rehearsing. And, you know, as we're out here playing roller hockey and Chris Chelios is walking around. But, uh, yeah, it, roller hockey is, like you said, it's that gateway drug. And especially if, you know, mom and dad aren't ready to uh, make that financial commitment, you can, you can gather some uh, friends together throw on the rollerblades and go play. Absolutely. It's really easy. Really easy. Yeah. 
So you said at about 11 years old, you made the transition to goalie. Why did you make that transition? You know, were you just like, you know what, I, I'm a little too weird to be playing out. I, I need something else. What what drew you to, yeah, to goal? I'm the I'm the normal one, man. Everyone else is just weird. Why why do the goalies get the bad rap of being crazy? I'm completely normal, so I don't get that whole that whole deal. Um, I, I don't really know if there was an exact like um, tipping point. Honestly, um, I remember watching Guy Bear and Mike Richter uh, mm-hmm. growing up um, and thinking, oh wow, those guys can really kind of st- like change a game or take over a series or win a Stanley cup like Richter did. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe that's, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. I I mean, I was always kind of, I was a, I was a soccer goalie since the age of five. So I felt like it was kind of almost a natural transition to go to play ice hockey goalie and just give that a shot because of my soccer days. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe that was a little bit of an influence. Um, But in terms of player influences, those would be the two guys that, that were my first, um, NHL experience of, oh, these are what great goalies look like. Oh, maybe I should give this a shot. And and so, yeah, basically that's how it was. Well, like you said, Richter winning a Stanley Cup, you know, he won the Stanley Cup and then right after the World Cup of Hockey. And that was Mm -hmm. one of the best stretches I've ever seen a goalie play. Like he, he just dominated, you know, and you had Hasha come after and some of those other guys, but there was about that six month span where you just you couldn't beat Mike Richter. He went on a heater. Yeah, literally yeah. was on went on a heater and was just so dialed in and could just see the puck and see everything so well and just dialed. Yeah, I, I still remember watching that World Cup of Hockey just in disbelief. Yeah, yeah, the, the U.S. had a good team and they were able to score some goals, but they should not have beaten the Canadians. Uh, the Canadians are a better team, and Richter just one of the greatest three-game series I've ever seen played. Who was on that? Who was on that Canadian team? Who was on that? I, I totally oh, forgot. Yeah, that well, was a waste yeah. back for me, so I, I, I've got no recollection of that. Yeah, you had Gretzky, you had Lemieux, uh, Sackick, um, Claude Lemieux, I believe, was on that team. Theo Fleury was on that team. You had uh, Wah, you had Cujo, and um, you talk about a goaltending trio you had Wa Cujo and Brodeur is the three oh, goalies um you know and Cujo was no slouch in those days no, either definitely not uh, yeah they, they they just had up and down the whole roster you know probably in fact let, let me bring that up I, I I'm willing to bet the um uh 94 I can't uh, I'm willing to bet most of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, uh, Shanahan, Robitai, Sackick, uh, Paul Correa. Come on, there's 18 more rows here. <laughs> um, Jason Arnott, Rod Brindamore, Jeff Sanderson, Steve Thomas. Just so so many of these guys were. No, oh wait, that that wasn't even the uh, that was Team Canada World Championships. That wasn't even the World Cup of Hockey. But still, th- those same same guys were on that team, plus Gretzky and Lemieux. How did they lose? <laughs> well, they ran into Mike Richter. Mike Richter, <laughs> yeah, Mike Richter. And, and I remember the MVP of the tournament got a Harley Davidson. They roll that thing out there, and Richter sits on it with his goalie equipment. It was, you know, 
yeah, that, that was one of those amusing ones. So you're, you're playing hockey in, in Long Beach. Like you said, you, you played, you know, the house leagues and everything else. Um, and I wish they had house league hockey here in Minnesota because then my son would have played because he had no interest in travel hockey. Um, but did, did you play high school hockey at the time or, you know, no, what, what happened no, around that I, time? No, I, so I was um, very good at football. Mm-hmm. in high school and so i played basically how my year would go is from freshman to senior year i was i would be playing uh football in the fall into the early yeah basically football in the fall we had soccer in the winter and then i would and then i would just have off-season football for the high school at least yeah um in from starting from end of winter through spring um, and then i play hockey just in in in, in in-house leagues in between there when I had time. Um, but that was basically it for the next four years. And then I go off uh, to college because once football became more serious, yeah. Uh, okay. This, uh, you've got a shot at playing at the next level in right. college. Then that, then that's kind of what I um, continued to focus on, but I still played um, in in-house hockey until age probably 17 and a half. Once, uh, right to the start of my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, so just call it, yeah, 17 and a half or right as I turned 17. And then I, and then from then on out, it was all football and soccer from then. And then oh. track after that. So I, I, I did, I did, I was a track athlete. My, my last half of my senior year, uh, just to try and get my speed up, uh, in preparation for college. So you, you kind of take this journey away from hockey for a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. what brought you back to it? Uh, so, um, the time commitment. So I go off and, and play football for the university of Tulsa in Oklahoma for five years. And then once my football career is done there, they actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there is an ice rink and they do have yeah. an in-house league. Yeah. So, well, the Tulsa, the Tulsa Oilers, uh, now a duck affiliate of the, of the ECHL, uh, uh, Tulsa Oilers, they play in a fantastic arena called the BOK center, um, which is right downtown. It's a, it's an amazing place. Um, they so the minor league team plays there, but there is their practice arena, which is like in South Tulsa, um, which is about from the university. It's about about a 15, 20 minute drive. So I saw that I saw I had in-house leagues. And then so once my football days were over, I was 22 years. I was 22 years old. And then from call it January till uh, May until my my academic career was over. And when I graduated in May of 2011, I was playing hockey at least once a week. So I'd have my my hockey gear up in my, uh, my, uh, my on-campus apartment and my roommate was still, was still playing football. So my goalie gear would be out in the living room with the windows <laughs> up and trying to air out. And, and I just had the fan on and just blasted out the window we were, and we were on the third floor. So <laughs> no, so that, yeah, that, that's basically how I got back into it after, after my football career. I, I remember freshman year of college, uh, watching the dorm with my, hockey equipment and I was rooming with a soccer player who air his cleats out in the window. Um, and I, I tell you, those things smelt worse than my hockey bag, but he looks at me, he goes, how long is that staying in here? I was like, don't worry. I can get into the rink tomorrow and <laughs> put it in there, you know, but it was, as soon as he got on campus, like I, I was trying to track down the, my coach to find out when, when I could get, uh, get into the locker room so I could stash my stuff in there. Cause oops, yeah, 
keep, keeping that stuff in, in the dorm room was not fun by any means. You are the night before Christmas break when you, you got to get it out of the, the rink so that you can make sure you bring it home. It's like, oh, my God, sleeping with the uh, heat turned up to 90 oh, no. in Minnesota no. and, the, and the windows uh, wide open so that the, the stink mm. isn't too bad. <laughs> we were we were lucky in, in our apartment on campus. We had, we had a full living room and kitchen area, so it wasn't like we had to, had to put my gear in my room. Like I could just put it out there and just leave the windows open and we, it was fine. So that was the nice part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was fortunate that I, I was on the hockey team so I, I could leave my stuff at the rink, you know, throughout the whole school year. Sure. Um, it, it helped that I had a key to the rink because I was also a Zamboni driver. Um, but uh, I, I look at some of my classmates who weren't on the team and still had their equipment, you know, at school and I'm like, I would not want that in my, my dorm room. That's a tough life. That's <laughs> uh, a tough life. It, it is one, well, you know, our, our dorm rooms weren't uh, palatious by any means. And you, you throw a goalie bag in there and it just takes up even more room. Um, so, you know, you, you're playing, you know, what winds up being adult house league. Uh, we like to call it the beer leagues here in Minnesota. But uh, how did you wind up with the, the Anaheim Ducks? Uh, so I'll give you a kind of a, a, a very brief career anthology of mine. Um, so after um, I graduate from Tulsa, I go work for the Detroit Lions uh, for a season as an intern. Then after that, I work for the San Diego Chargers in digital media as an intern. Uh, from there, I go work for NFL Network as I, like on a contract basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, still working in digital uh, on the mobile app side of thing, on the content creation for the mobile app side. Uh, from there, I go work for a, a race car track in Northern California called Sonoma Raceway, mm-hmm. uh, where we have a NASCAR, an HRA, IndyCar. So anything on anything on wheels will race. It's a road course. Um, so I was there for four, actually no, five years where I was kind of the do-all, end-all, be-all for digital. So that's social, mobile, website, email marketing, all that for the track. Uh, went through me. Um, and then from there, with that experience on the social side of five years, wor- working on a with a brand and, and doing things in sports on that uh, in the social world, um, I became a good uh, candidate and a good fit uh, to make the jump to the NHL uh, with the Ducks. Um, so I was really, really happy that I was able to make that happen because it was a, it was a perfect fit for me. Uh, and we were at the time, my wife and I were, we've got no kids. We, my wife work can work remote. So it's one of those things where my wife can just go to her office and say, Hey, we're moving to Southern California. Yeah. Um, I'd like to stay with the company and work remote. Um, if that, we can make that happen. Uh, if not, then I'm putting in my, you know, two months notice or one month notice. And her job was like, okay, yeah, you can work remote hundred percent from home. So she was like, great. So we just moved basically her, her office is now our living room uh, down here, and she works from here, and it's 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 a, it's a good setup, and we're really really happy that it, it's worked out for our family down here. Yeah, it's funny you talk about working remote. Uh, pre-pandemic, both my wife and I were working remotely. Um, both of us came in very nice during the pandemic because we're taking care of, but it, it's it was interesting back then you know, is we were able to modify our home to have two home offices, but we, because we're remote, we, you know, we're, we're looking to move out of Minnesota and move south of the Mason Dixon line because we're too old for winter. We said, uh, we, we've lived <laughs> through it enough, you know, yeah. 
there, there's no need for us to put up with 30 below zero weather in December anymore. Um, but one of the things we have to look for is a home that either has two home offices, which is very difficult to find, or the ability to make two home offices. Sure. And it, sure. it's interesting on uh, what's out there it, that fits that bill and how, how you have to get creative at times. Because we're like, no, we, we need a teenager. So it's not like we can just have like this little area off to the side of a bonus room or something. It's like we need to be able to shut a door yep. and escape those kids, especially my son. He's 14. So he <laughs> just he smells. And I, I, I don't know what it is about 14 year old boys, but they just smell. <laughs> you know, it's like and they're stupid. Like the kid gets oh, straight funny. A's, but he's still stupid. Is, is, I, he's I, I'll look at him street smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he, he wants to go to Georgia Tech for aerospace engineering, and he's oh, wow. going to be starting um, flight school this spring to become a pilot. Um, yeah, he, I, I, I look at him and his friends sometimes, and I'll go, you are the two smartest dumb people I know. <laughs> and they're just That's like, phenomenal. gee, thanks. Uh, yeah, but it, it, and I can say it to his friend because me and uh, his dad, we, we took the boys up to Duluth, Minnesota, which is about two hours from us. To go to an air show and see the uh, the Thunderbirds this oh, summer. Yeah. The Air Force. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and Thunderbirds. And we hadn't really in the nine years we've lived right around the corner from like there are kids at our house so often. I saw him claiming them on taxes this year, but really had never interacted with his dad because he's a cop and he primarily works nights, so he's usually sleeping during the day. But so this is the first time we really got to interact. And we're driving. And he looks at me. He goes, "Do you pick on?" kids i go all the time he goes thank god he goes because i pick on mine too and some of the some of their friends that come over they can't handle it i said oh don't don't worry and i i, I look back at at uh, his son and i go hey oliver what do i normally call you when you're at our house and he goes moron i go yeah <laughs> yeah but not that and he goes oh olivia and i go yeah and his dad starts laughing he goes those are the two names i call them at home too so it's it's all good. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah, and, and Oliver's a hockey player, and he'll come over, and I'll ask him, "How was the game?" Oh, we lost four to two. I go, "You embarrass the community again." Uh, so I'm always, <laughs> always well, a, no pressure, no pressure. No, no pressure. Uh, he, he went to a, a tournament a while back, and they came in second place. I was like, second place? That's first place loser, Oliver. <laughs> and it, yeah. No, no, no love in, in our house for, for the kids. That's for sure. We, we got to keep them grounded. Um, Absolutely. So you, you get this opportunity with the Ducks and, you know, you're, you're a football guy. I mean, that's the sport that got you to college and everything else. Um, and you had those opportunities in the NFL. But, you know, it, it kind of sounds like something was still pulling you to hockey. Is, is it one of those classic stories where hockey was your love, but football was your talent? Sure. Uh, yeah, you could you could certainly say that. Um, uh, I actually had this conversation with my with my dad uh, maybe about a week ago before Christmas. Is like, what if what if what if? Because I went to I actually went to a a uh, ice hockey camp in Minnesota called the Heartland Hockey Camp when I was mm-hmm. eleven years old, and it was like a full week camp in the woods, and I was a goalie with some really suspicious like suspect pads. Um, <laughs> And so that's where I learned, like, actually had coaching for that for a whole week. And that's basically been my, my, that's been my coaching foundation of like, okay, this is how you play the position. And this is where angles and and strategy and that kind of thing. 
Um, and then everything else from there has been kind of just self-taught. Um, but that was kind of the first foray into, oh, what, what, what if I went the other route instead of saying, oh, okay, I'm great at soccer and football when I'm 13, 14 years old. But what if I just full commit to ice hockey goalie at like 12 instead mm -hmm. and I go down that path? Um, now this being, call it what, 2001, 2002, were the opportunities there for a kid from Long Beach to, to, to have a shot at travel hockey and, and that kind of thing? There were, I mean, there was, there was a, there, so yeah, Lakewood Ice was around, um, but Anaheim Ice was around, um, but I don't, there was certainly no high school hockey leagues. You, you I would have had to have taken kind of a leap of faith and, a, and, a, and go into the travel hockey world. Yeah. Um, not knowing anything, not having much coaching at all and just kind of trying to get in that way. So it would have been a definite leap, but it would have been interesting to see, to see if it, how much my life would have changed if I had just been like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to commit to this yeah. going forward. But uh, in essence, yeah, my, I've always loved hockey. And it's always, it's always been my favorite sport. Um, so now that I'm working in it, it's, quite nice and uh, i'm really happy what i do for a living i know some people can't say that in their career or their mm -hmm. job so it is nice to be around the team aspect and to be around um a group of an organization a group a team that you know what the end goal is like the goal is to win the stanley cup and, and my role is to add value to this organization through social media and that in, in that world and in, in that industry right. so yeah and enhance um, the fan experience correct correct yeah it, it, every every experience yeah, there's social touches every single department uh, in our company in, in our in our organization so um that is something that you, you you learn with time of like okay what does all right making sure everything's legal making sure we you know if we don't have the <laughs> if there's music you can't use the music um can't use certain yep. clips, can't use certain things, make sure logos, making sure that uh, partnerships are, are good with things, making sure we're tagging the right brands, making sure we're working with other outside companies. Um, and then also making sure that, you know, we're delivering kind of a, fu uh, a fun product for our fans, because at the end of the day, social media should be fun. Yep. It should be a fun thing that you're enjoying. It shouldn't be negative. Um, now, however, when you, when you, when you lose games, um, it's not fun for anyone, of course. So it's hard to, you know, always be fun when, when the when the team is not performing. But that's part of the job. Is it's 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 easy when the team is like when when you're winning. Like if you're if you're the New England Patriots from a decade ago, yeah, and you're winning seven Super Bowls. Like social media is easy. Everyone's yeah. happy. Everyone will do everything. Like it just it just kind of comes naturally. When it winning in itself generates engagements. When it winning adds value. It's when you're losing that, okay, now you've got to come up with creative ideas and things that our fan base and the wider fan base, it could be hockey world, could not be hockey world. It could be something totally outside of hockey um, that will mm -hmm. engage with and add value to your team yeah. through its social media channels. So that's the tough part sometimes. Yeah. Well, real quick, you mentioned Heartland Hockey. Very familiar with it. One, because of USA yep. Hockey Magazine. Every young hockey player saw those pictures and they're like, I want to go to camp. Um, but I worked the St. Mary's Hockey Camps in southeastern Minnesota, and they were one of our rivals. So we were like, yeah, I know about them. Uh, but that camp is not far from my in-laws. Uh, so I'm very familiar with that one. 
Uh, but you, you talk social media in hockey, and I don't know what it is about the NHL, but they just have a better presence. And I, I think it's because they don't take themselves too seriously. And the the back and forth with other teams of picking on each other is unrivaled by any other league. I, and, and I think hockey does it so good that it's funny without be crossing a line. Sure. Um, and really the social direction, I guess, if you want to call it, each team is going to have a different tone. Each team is mm-hmm. going to have a different priority or level uh, on social or depends on who's behind the account. Some teams just have one person. Some teams have yep. six or seven. Yep. Uh, so it's just simply on a team by team basis. And, and the NHL's prerogative is to a increase, you know, their, their the league's kind of I guess presence, but also to um, I guess I'll say accentuate or to amplify the team's presences. So mm-hmm. if you've got something great, like they're, they're they are more than happy to to retweet, to share, to highlight a team piece of content on their own channels. Right. Try and push that as much as possible because some teams are more are more regional. Some teams have a little bit more of a national reach. Some teams have a larger fan, a natural larger fan base than some other teams. So they try and do their best to, if it's a good piece of content, they'll share it and they'll put it out to people in, on, on a much broader scale just to, yeah. to kind of get more eyeballs on said said item. Yeah. I was just thinking back uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I grew up in Chicago, so I'm a Blackhawks fan. Mm-hmm. And I have a cousin who grew up in Anaheim, so he's a Ducks fan. So when the Hawks and Ducks were going up in, you know, against each other in the playoffs for a couple of years in a row there, uh, oh, yeah. we, we, were, we were going at it on social, and I opted to follow the lines of the Mighty Ducks movies and pull out quotes from that movie throughout. Um you know, Coach Riley's "It's not worth winning if you can't win big" was a big one. I kept throwing back at my cousin, and then when the Hawks did beat the Ducks, I, I just pulled together a quick uh, graphic. I took, um, I think it was Getzlaff and uh, somebody else. I, I threw onto it. I had those two, and then I threw on Goose from Top Gun. Yeah, oh, yeah. Took, took took my cousin a second. He goes. Duck, duck, goose. I get it now. <laughs> but he was just like, oh, Lord. Um, but it, like that, that's the fun you can have on social, you know. And I, like I said, in hockey, I, I think hockey fans are, are here for the fun of it, unlike some of the other sports. In our in our in our fan base, in our segments, you certainly have small little communities that have kind of sprouted up on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, in the social space, whether it be, uh, I primarily see it on the Twitter side of things, um, where you can be more re- reply. It's just, yeah, it probably works most effectively on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but you have certain fan subgroups and fan um, communities that sprout up inside of the the general team ethos. If you want to, if I, if I can use kind of a an obscure big word for a second. And that's fun. But no, it's fun to see that. Um, yeah. Now, granted, yeah, they, different fan groups will react differently to different news. And some are like making fun of something. Some are just being super critical. And some are being like, oh, it's fine. And yeah. So 
it, 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 and it's fun. And as the as a, as a social manager, you see that at least whenever they tag the account um, or use hashtag fly together. Um, so you, you see a lot. You see a lot in my position. Um, it's just whether or not you know you choose to respond from the team account or not. Yeah. Um, and that and that's yeah. And that takes time to yeah learn that, to have discretion. Yeah. Well, on that social listing, that's something you and I could probably talk a bunch on because my day job is actually digital marketing analysts and that includes social listening. So, you know, we use Sprinkler oh, yeah. and uh, that, that I try explaining it to people and they're like, wait a minute, you can see what I'm saying and you don't have to follow me. It's like, yep, <laughs> I yep. can set things up beautifully. And uh, yeah, that, that's kind of fun to do. Social, social media and the internet is written in ink, ladies and gentlemen. It is not written in pencil. Just because you deleted something does not necessarily mean it is not around somewhere. So don't worry. So right. Just always remember that before you hit send. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just saw it again today. The uh, Barcelona Chicago team, it seems like once a month they, they, they retweet uh, the Mitchell Trubitsky tweet from when he was in high school where – he tweeted out, uh, you know, probably as a 16-year-old, I love boobies. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> and, and when he was drafted by the Bears, you know, that, that one was played up a lot. Yeah. So that, even though he's not with the Bears anymore, it's like once a month, they, they just break it up. He's like, yep, this is why we loved this guy. Because yeah, at 16 years old, he was like, yep, this is who I am. Uh, and he didn't come out and apologize for it. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was speaking my mind. I was speaking my truth at that point. Uh, That's but it was that classic example of, you know, yeah, it's, it's the internet is permanent. Um, even though you might take something down, it's still there. Um, it's a conversation I've had with my nieces and nephews an awful lot is they've, they're now, you know, moving into college and stuff. It's like, you got to think about this stuff now because you're going to go apply for a job and you better bet the first thing an employer is going to do, a hiring manager is going to do is they're going to go to Google, put your name in and see what pops up. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So, you know, you're, you're working for the Ducks. You're a goalie. The thoughts got across your mind every now and then, like, hey, do you guys need a goalie for morning skate? Well, not even the e-bug, but for the morning skate. Uh, you know, ha- have you had those opportunities to, you know, throw the pads on with the team? Um, no, not not yet. Um I actually told Coach Aikens when I, like, literally my first week on the job, um, hey, if you guys ever need anyone, um, I'm available. He's like, I, I, I got you, buddy, uh, even though we, we have an e-bug. So if we ever do need a, a goalie for the morning skate, um, it's our it, we, we will call on our e-bug. His name's John. He's a lawyer uh, in, from Irvine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I yeah, actually, there we have a piece of content that we're hoping to film – either probably probably next week or two weeks from now where I will put on the pads and I'm going to face one of our players and just get shredded <laughs> um, for content. So yeah. that'll be fun. Uh, yep. I, I hope we can make that happen. You, you um, say that's, that now. That's one of the ideas. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of the ideas. Yeah. So that's one of the ideas floating around is because I'm really one. The, there, there's two goalies in our, in our, in our entire company on the, on the business side. Okay. Um, one of our assistant managers actually is a goalie. Um, he, he will come out to our, cause we have an employee, uh, staff skate, um, each week, um, mm-hmm. that we do, uh, there's, so on the, on the business side, there's me and another guy in digital marketing who are goalies, but he, that guy, uh, normally can't make it. 
Um, so we would just have to pull someone in from the outside, outside the company to just be a goalie. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it'll be our, our assistant equipment manager will we'll, we'll step in and he's got a really cool, uh, badass, uh, Toy Story themed goalie mask <laughs> that he had oh, created. Sweet. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, and then that's really it. Outside of that, it's just. Um, well, I, I asked, of, yeah. I asked that because I know a lot. I've had quite a, excuse, excuse me, quite a few of the e-bugs on the show. Bones from. Sorry about that. My mic went out for a second, but I've had right. Nashville on, Kyle from Tampa Bay on. Those two guys actually got to suit up for the teams. Of course, not their home team. Um, I've had Connor Beaupre from Minnesota here, and I know some some e-bugs, they just show up for the games and are available, and others, like um, Connor with Minnesota, they'll show up for morning skates if, you know, the, the, it's an optional skate and the goalie doesn't want to go. Therefore, uh, I, I at least every now and then you get the chance to to throw them on with fellas. On our side of things, I've I've only ever in well, this will be my fourth season with the team. I've only seen our e bug at a morning skate once, and I've seen him at okay. practice maybe four to five times in four years. Um, yeah, most of our goalies will 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 be available and we'll always have someone out there or at least at least one or two guys out there if not one at the bare minimum um, yeah for morning skates would be both yeah it, it just that's the way kind of we operate yeah um, actually i think he was at one i think maybe about a month ago which was good to see um but that's kind of yeah way i don't see him very often at practices or at morning skates but yeah. he certainly is available because i see his gear down by the locker room for like the, if we have like player availability for like media at 10 a.m., mm -hmm. like I see his gear down there. So it's already down there. Um, right. I don't know if he's actually there or if it, if it's just been communicated to him, like, hey, we don't need you this morning. You know, you're, you're, you're good. And just come to show up at night. And actually that's yeah. one of my, I'm planning a new content piece uh, specifically for TikTok, for our Ducks TikTok. By the way, if you're not following Ducks TikTok, please do. We're a lot of fun. Um, or at least, at least we try to be. Um, I want to do, I want to show fans what a day in the life of an e-bug is like. So for this, for this, for, in this situation to be John, he's a lawyer. So you wake up, he goes into his law office. He takes, you know, takes some videos at his law office and then he leaves at call it five o'clock or four o'clock or seven o'clock game. He probably leaves at you know five, gets the arena, um, is ready, goes up to the press box gets his spot and then just does his work or does that. And then if he's called upon, then our, someone from hockey ops will take him down to the lot, to the dressing room where he'll change. But most, I think that, that did happen maybe two or three days, three, two or three games ago mm -hmm. where he did have to go down and get changed. I think Gibby yeah. got banged up and then Stoli had like some sort of something in it, like some sort of lower body, something or other. And he went down there when Gibby went down and, for a hot second, I was like, oh, boy, here goes e-bug time. Tom Hodges. Yeah. Is, we, we got Tom Hodges 2.0 because Tom Hodges was a, was a road game in Dallas. Yeah. So, and that was yeah. that was fun that we capitalized on on that and that his incredible story and what he what he went through with, with you know, losing and losing eyesight at 12 and still yeah. being the e-bug for the stars and still practicing with them. And, um, I, I had so, him on the podcast and I loved that, you know. He calls his dad after the game. He's like, "Dad, did did you see the uh, 
the game and his dad had whatever reason didn't get the games anymore on his cable provider so he's like no i missed it but i saw they won and he's like isn't it great this and that and he's like oh you you don't know do you dad <laughs> dad dad watch the watch the dvr and just yeah. call me just call it when you get to around like the second intermission, just, just right. The call. Yeah. yeah, but he's, he, you know, his dad talked about how they, they were able to score a couple and this and that. He's like, you don't know, do you, dad? That's incredible. Yeah. That's wild. I can only imagine what that, what that, what that kid was going through. Cause that is a, that's an interesting situation to be thrown into, but I mean, uh, you gotta be, you gotta be excited. Yeah. It, it's a situation. I think all beer league goalies uh, dream yep. about uh, that. That's for sure. And, I shared with Tom, you know, between my junior and senior year, I was skating at Johnny's Ice House in Chicago over or summer break. Uh, it was a Billy Zito skate. Uh, he's now the Florida GM. And uh, he was a player rep at the time. So he had a lot of the guys he represented or guys he knew that were in the area. And they needed a goal. So they said, go to Rat Hawk. He's like, absolutely. Well, my dad was working uh, for Chicago Fire Department in the Office of Emergency Management at the time. And their offices were right across the street. So it was really cool that he could come over on his lunch hour and watch me skate with these NHL guys. And, you know, That's I, awesome. I still remember uh, Joe Corvo. He was playing for the Kings at the time. Comes down on a breakaway and I stop him, you know, and, and he was trying on this one. He was trying to embarrass me and, and uh, it didn't work out well for him because he didn't know I could do the splits. Uh, so I, I make <laughs> he tried to he tried to list he tried to list from you he tried to list yeah he tried to you know <laughs> he tried to embarrass me and I just make this save and like I was pretty excited but then I looked up and saw my dad standing there you know just a smile on his face is like okay doesn't matter what else I do in the game of hockey that that was cool that's awesome love, yeah love to hear that uh, yeah. actually um, to answer your question actually going back a little bit. Yes, I have taken shots from players. It was in a slightly different scenario than I think the one that you're thinking of in like a game scenario. Uh, basically, uh, we in off season of last year, we because we we couldn't do um, a like our season ticket holder event during COVID restrictions. Yeah. Um, here, so at the end of the season, I think, or at near the end of the season last year, um, when we could have fans back in the building. Uh, there, they had a, a season ticket holder event where uh, part of the the day was watching our guys a practice and then b kind of watch like a skills competition kind of thing uh, where they would do hardest shot like accurate like accuracy passing and then they closed with a breakaway challenge. Well, they weren't going to put Gibby Stoli in net for a breakaway challenge just right. at risk possibly someone getting injured or pull something. So, all right, social guy, get in there. So I go in there, and I ha- and then I am now facing down uh, Adam Henrique, Drysdale, Sam Steele, Trevor Zegras, um, and uh, let's see, was maybe Joan- Jonesy, maybe? Yeah. And so uh, I I stopped two of them, and when I say I stopped two of them, they missed the net. So okay, <laughs> I'll take it. See, oh, it was Troy Terry. Oh yeah, Troy Terry deked me out of my pants. Yeah. I, I would have fun with that because I'm so the old school goalie that likes to stack the pads and everything else, and uh, players aren't, aren't anticipating that at that level. That's great. Yeah. So uh, that, that, that's my, that's been my only experience of seeing like the business end of a deke from Troy Terry or a shot from Rico, that kind of thing. Or yeah. So. The 
The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? I'm fairly new to this betting stuff. I've used it a little bit so far this season, and my go-to has been betting on Justice Fields to rack up a bunch of yards, so I'm going to have to switch things up this week. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I, I love the y'all star game last year and how they brought in Maun Rayum and uh, Kurt Russell's Kid, kid, yeah, yeah, to, uh, oh yeah, for for the breakaway part of it, because it's like let, let's not break our NHL goalies. Let, let's bring in some names and and let them play. Uh, I, I think next time around that they should bring in Dane Belfour because uh, he, he he's a character. Eddie Panger, just Micah Panger, bring back bring yeah. back Panger and just put him in with his with like his old gear. Yeah, give him a better chest protector. That's something the NHL needs to bring back is the uh, the alumni game at the All Star game because oh, back I when it was in LA, uh, two thousand three yeah. in LA, and the alumni game was awesome, absolutely well, spectacular. It was at the convention center, I want to say. Yeah. In the nineties, they used to air it on TV, and Panger played in it, and they mic'd him up too, and so he's just being Darren Pang during the game, and you know, he, he was Nick the goalie before Nick the goalie was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it was like, oh my God, Panger's just funny as can be. And then, then you throw him into a game and, it, and it's just like, come on. Uh, <laughs> you know, how, how he was able to stop pucks while still listening to the guys in his ear and talking to him. I don't know. I remember, I remember Van Beesbrook had the camera on the side yes. of the moment. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. That was an all-star game. And then they did it with, uh, Hashik in a game too. Cause it was like on top of that Cooper of his, um, now cameras are at a point that they could easily do that. Create, excuse me, create a goalie mask where it's just kind of like right there in the forehead where yeah. you wouldn't even it's, see it. Yeah, um, yeah but, but bring back that alumni all-star game. Um, I, I've said it for, I do like what the NHL has done of creating like the, the small three-on-three four tournament format, but the skills competition is so good. For hockey, I think they could just make that the all-star event and then have that alumni game afterwards, and fans would love it. You know, but uh, that's, 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 where the, that's where the NFL's going. The NFL yeah. has gone. The NFL is now 100%. It's not a tackle football game anymore. It's right. a skills competition, and I think they're – is it flag football they're doing? It's like I think so, and I, I love that. I'm, I'm very curious to see how that performs. I think for social media – the skills competition is going to be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if the, if the flag aspect will still generate the number of engagements, likes, yeah. retweets, whatever, and to see how that does with guys not in their pads where it, they can run full speed, 
not be hindered by a helmet, by shoulder pads, by anything, and just see how what like amazing, amazing athletes can do. So I'd be curious to see how that looks like and see if maybe yeah, maybe the NHL might give something like that a shot for the future. I'd be, I'd be curious to see how it, how it does. Well, it, it can't be worse than the engagement of the actual Pro Bowl. Oh, the Pro Bowl is a disaster. Oh, the Pro yeah. Bowl is a disaster. Yeah. But I, I remember as kids, they would have the uh, quarterback challenge during Pro Bowl week. And it was just so fascinating to watch, you know, uh, Dan Marino, Brett Favre, you know, Steve Young, throw these incredible passes, you know, 60, 70 yards downfield and, you know, throw it in a tire, you know, with a small hole. It's like, I I would watch that all day. Uh, but I, I think the one thing the any of these leagues could do is don't just have the skills competition, but bring in a beer leaguer to do it too, so that you can see Pro how versus good these Joe. guys. Here, here's, yes. what Mike, here, here's what Michael from IT at 50 years old can do with a football. And then here's... Yeah. Uh, here's Derek Carr. Yeah. <laughs> or here's here's Kirk Cousins. Here, here's kind of yeah. You know, because I'm I'm not total garbage when I play, but you put me in the NHL skills competition against the All Stars. Oh boy, it's going to be glaring the the <laughs> skills gap. Um, I, I, I I've seen it too, where people have said in the uh, the Olympics track and field we need to have an average person in every yeah, so that yeah. we can see that person that's coming in last place by like 75 lengths, how good they still are. You know, yeah. they might be slow on the Olympic stage, but they are still fast. They are extremely uh, incredible human beings still yeah. because the average human being is running like a 15 second, hundred meter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we've been talking a while and I want to be mindful of your time because you you're know, fine. You've, you put in long hours. I think that's something people don't understand. Um, when, when you're working for a pro team in any, any league, um, the, the hours you have to put in during the season, you know, it could be a 7 a.m. to midnight day, de- depending on what's going on. Uh, for the uh, I can tell you from my experience and kind of my history, um, that situation would only occur for like the draft, like mm-hmm. day one of the draft. Um, like also in Montreal, so I'm there in Montreal. We're there with some camera, we're there with some video guys, we're there with PR. Um, and you know, my job's to cover social, so I've got my camera, I've got my phone, I've got I can mic guys up and that kind of thing. I've got content being delivered to me, um, from what the NHL does because the NHL hires. Um, are you aware of the LSC program? Uh, I am not, no, okay. So, what the NHL does to help all the teams around the league is at each arena for every game, they will hire a content creator, someone with a camera to take photos and or video of Mm -hmm. both the home team and the away team, because not every NHL team travels someone like a a content creator to their away game. So you always have photos and video from the road being sent to you as well and at home. So for for us, sometimes we'd have, sometimes we have two people at our, at our games, which is amazing, but 90% 90% of the time, 95% of the time, you have one person that is hired by the league and they will, okay, what, okay, they'll just basically ask you in the morning, hey, are there anything that you need or anything to highlight here? You tell them, okay, I'd like a photo of the outside of the arena, a photo of the inside of the arena. I want video, I want vertical video of our guys doing keepsies upsies or juggling the soccer ball during warmups. And I want, photos from warmups and I want maybe one vertical video from warmup as well. And then for in-game action, 
we prefer video or in-game in action, we prefer photo. And then that's basically how you do it. Or it's like, hey, we're honoring X guy tonight. Please be sure to get photos of him at center ice for the puck drop um, outside of what our normal team photographer is doing. Like the, yeah. cause we, cause we use Getty. So Getty, Getty is the official photography service. So all of our quote unquote professional photographers um, just upload their stuff to Getty on game nights. Um, but we do have this, this extra person that is hired by the league to help us out to get fan content, like fans in the stands or mascot yeah. stuff in the stands pregame or postgame, or, Hey, we need a photo of, you know, Honda is sponsoring tonight's t-shirt giveaway. Please make sure to get a photo of a fan, you know, holding up a Honda t-shirt or the holding up the t-shirt that has the Honda logo visible. And so we can use that on social. So that's the kind of thing that they can help with. And it's, and yeah. it's amazing. And I, and, and I love it. I'm, just, and I'm very glad that the NHL does do that. That's um, awesome. Yeah. That's just to give awesome. you a little, a little peek into what goes on. In our, yeah. In our it's my manager always says to, to show you how the sausage is made. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but to, to, to go back real quickly to your other question about like a, a day. So, okay. So we've got to get, oh, so I'll tell you about tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow's a game day for us. We're playing, we're playing Vegas. Um, we'll probably have a morning skate at 10 a.m. Um, okay. If we do not have a morning skate, then we'll have media availability at 10. So basically I will roll into the office tomorrow at around 9, 930 in the morning. And then I will not leave until a 1030 at night mm -hmm. uh, on a game day because you just stay the whole game. Um, I, I, I'm, I will head over to the arena because our offices are technically across the parking lot from Honda Center. So I will walk over at, call it 3.30, 3.45. Um, our LSC will take photos of our guys arriving. Um, I will then take those photos, edit them, and then push that out on social because that's a sponsored piece as well. Open Door sponsors that element. So I will just all it is is basically adding the, the Open Door logo to the bottom corner and then push that out. And then any other things that we have going on, I might have a social influencer coming for photos with Wild Wing at 5:30 at the ice level, which is a common thing I'll have influencers do is to hey come down to the you'll come down to the ice to take photos with Wild Wing, or we'll go on to the ice to take photos as well. That's a nice, pretty easy kind of turnkey piece for for me to yeah. get some very unique and fun content for that influencer. And then okay, if, if they're going on the Zamboni, we'll get them on the Zamboni after warmups, and then they're off and running. So that's kind of, and then once warmups start, call it at 6:30. For seven o'clock game because most of our games are at seven o'clock here um i'm at that point i'm up in the press box the entire time um just having the photos come into me um through a service called greenfly that we use that is how we share or that is the photos from our lsc are shared with us and that's how we distribute our photos and videos to our players for their own personal uses on their social platforms um, so that's how they just basically get tagged kind of a thing where it's like ai can recognize their face it recognizes, oh, that's that's John Klingberg. Boom! It puts a it puts a it puts that photo in his folder. He has the app on his phone. It'll give him a little alert, like, hey, eight new photos have been added of you from today. So then, then, then he goes in there and sees them. And if he wants to post them, he can, or he just downloads it, does whatever he wants with them. That's uh, awesome. So that's how, yeah. So that's how we distribute the, the social elements to our players as well. Uh, but yeah, once we once basically yeah, six thirty rolls around. I'm up in the press box the whole time. Um, on the on the laptop, live tweeting the game and posting goal videos or save videos to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then that's it. And then also adjusting the graphics on the fly because the graphics are given to me by our graphics team, and that's like a template. So I will yeah. simply just adjust them on the fly, and then boom, post them out whenever we need to. So that that's a home game. Do do you travel with the team, or are you basically Not set often. up a, at home and? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, yeah. I'm set up at home. Yeah, so I've got I, I basically will just take over my wife's little office in our living room, uh, and then I will work the game from the road. Um, probably about two hours before the game is when is is when photos and content will start coming into me from our LSC on the road, um, and from then on out, yep, yeah, it's just work the game from here. Uh, watch the game on TV. Actually, we have a service that we use. Uh, the NHL provides us uh, that we can, we have the raw kind of in-house feed of like the, not the jumbotron, but like we have the raw feed of the game coming through this software program that I can clip video of in live time and post that to social within oh, nice. 30 seconds to a minute. So uh, the delay, like, so if we're on Valley Sports SoCal, what's on TV is like 30 seconds behind for like what I'm seeing. Right. So I'll, I'll know if when we score on the laptop so I can have that clip prepped, cut it, clipped, and then get that out as fast as I can. Um, normally takes about a, a minute or two for it to process. So the goal will, will happen on TV. And then within hopefully a, a 30 seconds to a minute, that clip, that goal clip is already out on our Twitter account. Which works because then you're not spoiling it for anybody. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about doing this stuff remote from home. And one of my favorite stories about um, Ronald Reagan was, you know, he got his start in entertainment because he was uh, broadcasting Chicago Cubs games on the radio via um, telegraph. You know, he was just getting the Morse code coming in across the line and he was reading it as if he were he was at the game. Uh, oh, wow. I did not know that. And then uh, the one year he was able to convince his bosses that they should send him out to spring training. And that was back when they were, the Cubs were doing spring training on Catalina Island. And uh, one day it was raining. So he had a friend in the movie business that he went to visit on the studio just to visit him. And because it was raining, his friend said, well, we, we need an extra today. So you, do you want to be the extra? He never made it out to Catalina Island for the rest of spring training because his movie career started that day. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, I did not know that story at all. Wow. Um, but uh, I digress. Well, we've been talking a while, and I want to be mindful of time because no, you know, your, your days are long. I end every episode with, with a list of 10 questions. And okay. what I like about these questions is they're the same questions I've asked every, every goalie. So over 100 goalies now from Olaf Kolzig, you know, last week to, you know, a bantam goalie, they've all had the same questions. And the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it in hockey or in football? Cause the football one's way better. I would say whatever sport, because I just like hearing about crazy coaches. <laughs> okay. Um, this coach will remain nameless. He was a position coach of mine at Tulsa. Um, and he had a, a very uh, fun way of saying he's from. He, I believe I believe he's from Louisiana or Arkansas, and he had a very fun way of uh, telling someone that, "Oh, I just complimented you, and now you let me down." <laughs> and what he would do, and but like that that that's what I'm translating it to. And what yeah. he would actually say is, "Oh, you." You sent like no, uh, he would say like God. He's a God damn it. Insert last name here. So in my case, my nickname in college was Pistol. Um, he would simply say God damn it, Pistol. I patted you on your ass and you shit in my hand. <laughs> so, I like it. 
that was one of my fun ones. That, that was one of that's the one that sticks out to me. Uh, again, coaches would always, you know, go ballistic and and, and yell and, and yeah. get upset and everything. But that that that's like the funny one that I could think of. That's like, oh, that that's pretty dang, that's pretty dang clever. And that was that that we always we we loved hearing that one because uh, <laughs> we just laugh our we just laugh our butt off. Yeah, well, we heard that in, in real time. Yeah, probably in one of those Cajun drawls too. Exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he. It was definitely a southern accent. It was definitely a southern accent. I know you said he was a position coach. What position did you play in football? I played wide receiver. Okay, very cool. I uh, the one year I played football in grade school, I had to be a defensive back because I could not catch the ball, but I could ah, get in the way. It's all right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. So, what is your favorite all-time goalie mask? Um. One that jumps out to me first is Mike Richter's 1994 uh, Statue of Liberty mask on the, yep. on the very, very top with the white, the white mask with the Statue of Liberty on the on the on the crown of the head. Yeah. Um, Ye Bears kind of eggplant with the with the, the wings. Uh, teal wings on the side. Yeah. Also stands out to me. Um, I actually, I meant gold, but yeah, I, those are the two that stand out to me. Yeah, I, I loved A Bears mask and. You know, as, as I went on and played uh, Division three college hockey, you know, he, he was kind of the, the Division three um, hero because he, he played Division three hockey and then went on Hamilton, to the NHL. Right? Hamilton? Hamilton? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then, yeah. then he went to St. Louis and then obviously to the Ducks. And so he's he was kind of that goalie that we, we all kind of looked up to in a way. Like, so you're telling me there's a chance. Oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, so what is your favorite rink that you've played at? Uh, that I've played at, um, yeah. well, Honda Center, yeah, Honda Center. Yeah, that, that that's not a bad one from what I hear. No, it's not. Uh, uh, however, I do. Well, uh, not to get off topic here, Joe, real quick. Uh, I do play. Have you have you seen the TV show Shorzy? Yes. Okay, so I play in the Western American version of that of the No Show. I play in that. Okay. I have a senior A like, it's yeah, senior A hockey. I play for a team called the Santa Rosa Growlers. Okay. Um, they're, but they're in Northern California, but I will fly up there and play with them a couple times a year. Or if they're on the road, I can try and meet them someplace to play goalie for them. And that's, it's, it's, it, there's a lot less fighting uh, yep. than what's in the show Shorzy uh, than in real life, but there certainly are fights and it's, it's just, it's just like a high, it's just a full contact version of gold level in-house hockey. It's awesome. I love it. Um, but we do have fans and we do have, yeah, we, it, we do have fans. We do have sponsors. So uh, when we sell out our place, Snoopy, Snoopy's home ice, you could say it would be another good one. Snoopy's Home Ice is uh, in Santa Rosa, California. It is, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's owned by the Schultz family, the Snoopy. So it's the Schultz family actually owns the ice rink. So that's it's a very interesting place on the inside. It looks like a lo- it looks like a log cabin. Inside. Yeah, I, I've seen pictures of it because Charles Schultz from St. Paul. Uh, in fact, there's a rink here named after him. Oh, that's uh, awesome. He he loved the game of hockey and he made sure they could play out there. And I've heard about that senior league it, you know mm-hmm. out west it, you know it, it's basically semi-pro hockey and i'm almost shocked that we don't have that here in the midwest and minnesota i mean we've, we've got all kinds of crazy beer leagues but we don't sure. have anything like and, that. And, and or like an organized uh, an organized effort to create these teams so yeah so we have yeah so we have we, there's a team in san diego there's a team in vegas there's a team also in northern california called the vacaville uh, they were the ice raiders um, there's a team, there's a, there's two very good teams in Texas. 
One's in Fort Worth and one's in Dallas. There's a team in Vail, Colorado. That is very, there's a team in Idaho city, which is just, they're a wagon. Like the, I think they're the Idaho city uh, vandals or something like that. But they, yeah, that, that, that team's phenomenal. Um, we, yeah, we kind of got boat raced by them. There's a team in Arizona. That's fantastic as well. They're a really, really fast team. Uh, Arizona ice dog. Like, I'm sorry, not the, the Arizona desert dogs is who they are. Uh, so okay. just, yeah, but they, yeah, they, there's a, there's a number of these teams out there that at least on, on this side or at least West of Dallas, um, that there is, a, there is an organized effort to play. And I think actually, um, on our schedule this year is the, uh, FDNY, the New York fire department has their, yep. basically their semi-pro hockey team that they, I think they play, they, I know they play the police department every year, but this team mm-hmm. travels. So this, this fire department squad travels and I'm really interested to see what they play like and how they play. So yeah, that'll be well, fun. one of my college teammates is actually on that team. Tw- number 21, Jimmy Becker. Um, and yeah, they, they uh, ESPN aired the, the 20 year anniversary game because they, because of COVID that game got moved to the fall instead of the spring when it's normally played. So it was like two or three weeks before the 20th anniversary, nine 11. And they played it at Madison square garden and ESPN. They sent out, I think it was Kevin Weeks, Linda Cohn and John Butchergrass, just three hockey crazy people. Yeah. And even better, two of them were goalies. Um, Cause most people don't realize that Linda Cohn is a goalie herself. Um, I didn't know that. Oh, I have no idea about that. Oh, yeah. I got to talk, talk goaltending with her next time I see her. I know. I, I keep uh, kind of reaching out to her on social to try and get her on the, the podcast to, to talk goaltending. Because she, she went to that Florida Panthers uh, open e-bug uh, tryout. And that's when a lot of people first found out about her being a goalie. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that game, you, you realize real quick that the FDNY NYPD game, it's more it's a than – that's a yeah, big deal. That's there, a there's a deal. great documentary. It's on YouTube called Rivalry City, where they talk about it. And uh, it was a probably eight nine years ago. They were playing at Nassau Coliseum, and there was a bench clearing brawl at the charity game. And it's funny because <laughs> like since that brawl, and it, it went viral. But since that brawl, it, you know, the game's now a sellout because it's like, are we going to have another one? Uh, sure. But I, I was talking to my buddy, Jimmy, he was the MVP of that particular game. And I was talking to him and I said, what the heck happened? And he said that the one cop he, he had, uh, or was, the fireman said a few things to the cop and the cop turns around and just takes a baseball swing at the fireman. Oh. And so that started the brawl. But he said, the best part was we're all tying up with these cop- cops and they're going, he deserves everything that's coming his way, but we got to make it look like we're we've got his back. So he said, <laughs> "He said if you that's look fantastic. really close, most people are just tied up, and if there are fists flying, like they're intentionally trying to get like shoulder pads, you know, but make it well, look incredible. like they're backing up their body." That's <laughs> wild. Like, yeah, but I've actually talked to a couple of the goalies from that series. Uh, so the FDNY team, you had Kurt Flume and. Um, NYPD was uh, a fellow by the name of Mike Nano. They played in that game at MSG, and that was kind of their last game for both of them. Now, now you got two younger guys, and I, I had them on after the spring game last year. And uh, Spittin' Chicklets has picked up on this. Like, this is this is not beer league hockey. Like, he, some of these guys have played in the NHL and minor leagues, and a lot of them played college hockey. It's 
it, you know, it's a good team. So now Spitting Chicklets has taken over the broadcasting of that yearly rivalry game. So it's going to be oh, wow. fun to fun to see what they do to the you know due to the uh, the game to, to present it and promote it. But yeah, that, that'll be a fun team and. Uh, be, be ready with that FDNY team because they're they're going to come at you. That's for sure. I heard they hit. I heard they're just big hitters. They they love to lay the body. Yeah, yeah. That that's uh, from watching them play. That that is them. But uh, you know what's great is the, the team is funded by you know donations and they they raise money for the widows fund and uh, you know they they do that with the, the NYPD team. You know all the money goes back to the widows funds. Uh, so it's, it's a great cause, both of those teams. That's fantastic. Yeah. So the next question is, what's your favorite goalie stick that you've used? Uh, Ryan Miller. Okay. Uh, although I, although I'm a huge Victor, like I was, I am and was a huge Victor Faust fan mm-hmm. um, from his time in Anaheim, and even when he went away, I, I had a quasi. I mean, he he knew I existed. He knew the uh, the other guy who was also the other guy from hashtag team Faust, which is our little hashtag we made up in like 2013 with a buddy of mine of like, we're just going to be Victor Faust mega fans. So he yeah. knew we exist and he, he had some fun and he's, he's met us uh, twice. Um, but uh, I have his stick, but I don't use it. Um, I use Ryan Miller's stick. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a CCM premier two um, from when he was playing here. Um, mm-hmm. I have two of them. Uh, and I, I they, it's, I really, really like that stick. I, I'm not a huge fan of, it's got the grippiness kind of on the, on the, on the shaft. Um, and I, I like that extra grip there. Uh, Gibson's stick is more sleek. It doesn't have that grip at all. Like he, he, he just slide his hand up the, up the shaft really fast. It's like, a, I don't know if I don't know what you would call it a quick, tr- not a quick trigger, but like, it's, um, it just doesn't have that natural grip on the tack on the stick yeah. itself. Yeah, um, he just doesn't like it that way. But Miller's is is that CCM Premier too, which does. So I love that, and it's also a shorter, a little shorter on the paddle. I think Miller's is, is like a twenty four and a half or a twenty five, and then Gibson's like a twenty six or a twenty six and a half. And I just don't. I I, I like the shorter paddle for when I'm in the butterfly. Um, just a, yeah. You know, so I'm I'm not as big on my elbow being up in the air kind of thing. You know, for the longest time I've I've used taller sticks, a twenty seven inch paddle. Which, oh wow! Okay, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I learned how to use the Turco grip, and you know, then I was getting better at playing the puck. Um, but this year, I ordered a Colin Delia Pro Return Warrior with the trigger grip in there, and it was a shorter paddle. Yep. But I wanted to try the trigger grip, and I was like, "It's a good price, so we'll go for it." I'm liking it. I I, I still kind of prefer that taller paddle because I'm used to having that arm. Because you're, you're, sta- you're, you're a stand-up goalie. Like you're standing up. It's not like you're in a super wide stance already, which is why a shorter well, paddle would work, right? And if you have a... I, I'm more of the kind of that classic 90s, you know, mm-hmm. um, Cujo, yeah. you know, Classic meets Kulzig, you know, where I'm I'm down an awful lot, that's for sure. But I, I've always had that bigger paddle where I've gotten used to it. So now okay. this year I've gotten it down and I think, you know, I can say it hasn't impact resulted in more goals, but I'm like, okay. But the one thing I've noticed is with that shorter paddles, I can't do the Turco grip because the paddle's mm-hmm. too far down. So I've, I've had to go back to the old school in the nineties. I'm like, all right, this is kind of fun. Back to my roots. <laughs> 
Oh, are you still there, Ty? Oh, I'm still here. Yep, I'm still oh, here. Yeah, there you are. There you are. So yeah, I'm. I'm the jury's still out of whether or not I'm going to keep going with that shorter paddle, but I I do like it better when I'm down. That's for sure. For the, for the reasons you said, because used to be when I had that longer paddle, it, you know, the the blade is angled a little bit more, which I was okay because it it deflects the puck up into my chest, but I'm, I've got a little more control down low, and I kind of like that. Okay. Good. Yeah. So what is your favorite youth hockey memory? Oh, youth hockey memory. Um, I would say the Heartland camp in general uh, for like a week-long kind of fun adventure. Yeah. Um, specifically, um, I think I was – there was uh, – I, I was playing roller hockey, I want to say, and um, there was like a 20-round shootout, and I stopped every single one of them in – for 20 rounds and we, and we eventually won. Um, oh, that's awesome. At least from that, from, from when I was, you know, if we're talking younger than the age of 15 or 14, that was probably it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so the, the next one is always a interesting answer. What is the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you, uh, from you? No one, no one chirps me much. Uh, I go six two two thirty five, so not a whole lot of people want to chirp me uh, in net. Um, I'm trying to think of something that maybe I heard on the ice. Gosh, I, I wish I had a better answer for this, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank initially. Um, ah, man. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be lame here. I, I, I honestly cannot. I honestly cannot think of. Definitely not nothing that was said to me. Um, maybe no. I mean, there's nothing. No, I can't even think of anything. Like the player said to someone else, like, "Oh, you're a pylon," but like that's <laughs> like this is like super tame, right? Like there's nothing super witty or funny that I can think of that someone said to another player on the ice, and I I, I can't at least, at least I can't remember it right now. My memory probably sucks. I apologize for not having a no, more that, funny that's... answer. That's all right. Don't, don't apologize because, you know, I, I'm kind of the same way where I'm not listening to that stuff when I'm on the ice. And usually the ones I've heard are in the locker room, but I've taken too many hockey pucks to the head. So what, what do I remember <laughs> of what's been what's been said? You know, um, <laughs> I like to say I, I've had uh, six concussions, but I hold up seven fingers to see how strong long people. <laughs> oh, but it, it probably crushes every time. That's a, good, that's a, that's a great one. It's kind of funny on how some people don't recognize it, and then they're like, "You're holding up seven fingers." So I'm, oh, am I? Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> oh I, don't, I don't, I don't know how what happened there. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, what is the worst post game beer? Ooh, worst post game beer. Well, I'm about to upset a lot of beer nuts. I'm gonna say an IPA. I hate IPAs. You, you I, know, I what? can't do IPAs. I can't do it. I, I, I'm just not there. I don't know what you're it not is. Gonna, I just... You're not gonna upset a lot of people because that's. If it's not warm beer, IPA is usually the answer. And I agree because they're too, too hoppy. It's too, it's too hoppy. It's too, like, for right after a game. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So here in Minnesota, we have Hockey Day Minnesota, and they have an outdoor hockey high school game every year. Mm-hmm. And this year it's in White Bear Lake, which is the community I live in. And we have the White Bear Lake Hippodrome. It's 97 years old, cool little oh, wow. the, the local brewery made a beer for the game and the Hippodrome. So it's the Hip Check IPA, and it's just got this awesome can. That's, that's uh, cool. Yeah, and so like I got it, but I'm like, I'm gonna, 
have to drink this IPA now. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's like, okay, but in, you know, to go with it, I found myself, you know, a good stout and with the weather we've been having, it's called the snow emergency stout. And it looks like the uh, snow emergency signs we have posted around oh, cool. town where, you know, if it's over two inches, you got to move your car. Otherwise it's going to get towed. But I'm like, all right, the stout was fantastic. The IPA that that's going to take me a little longer to get through that four pack. Um, so when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Uh, toe to heel. Okay. So you're in the minority. I, I know, um, I know, I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> I've had two different guests in not knowing either one said this, said people who go toe to heel are psychos. So I have to ask, <laughs> why do you go toe to heel? <laughs> um, I don't know if there's an actual practical. I don't, I don't think there's a practical method to it. I think I just started going toe to heel because I thought it was easier to tape my stick that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so when I do, I simply not, well, I, I rip it along the top seam on the, of the curve so mm-hmm. that you can't see it change. Like it's not like I'm overlapping and you see a flap hanging down one side or the other yeah. or halfway down one side. I, I rip it right along the edge so that yeah. it ends at the top of the edge right there on the, I guess the top part of yeah. the U, whatever you want to call it. But I, I think I just did it because I thought it was easier to do it that way. I don't think there's a functional difference in terms of heel to toe or toe to heel. At least I don't think practically there is. Uh, if I'm wrong or if there's any data out there to tell me, hey, I should be going heel to yeah, toe, then I'm, I'm all for it. But I've just, yeah. While the bug counter broke prey, he likes to play the puck. He feels the puck comes off the blade better uh, when he goes toe to heel. I'm oh, like, okay. hey, I'm not very good playing the puck, so I'm going to take your word for it. But my question then is, do you just do the blade or do you go up the heel too? No, so I, I will do the blade. I know some of our – well, the, the one goalie that I saw the first time do it, uh, Freddie Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, when he was with the Ducks, been called, what, 2014, uh, when he was playing full-time as a starter for us. Um, he would do like a half blade. I'm like, that man's in, that man's insane. And then I thought, oh, never mind. He's an NHL goalie and he gets like 30 sticks a game. So he's yeah. going to do that. For me, beer league guy, I need to protect my stick as much yep. as possible. So uh, I will just, I will do the full blade, but I will not go up the the heel from there. I, I, I know some goalies still like doing that, yeah. um, but no, I, I, just, I just go, the, I go the full blade, but I, but I don't, I don't make that yeah. right hand turn up. Yeah. See, I, I'm a product of the wood stick era. I, I'm still using sure. foam cores. So when you grew up using a wood stick, you had to you had to cover yep. the blade to 100%. protect it. Um, 100%. So for me, it's just it's natural still to do it. I mean, Hashik, he would go halfway up the darn paddle. You know, it's like, well, let, let's add another three pounds to our stick. It's it's already a Lincoln log to begin with in those days. It worked out. It worked out fine for him, I think. Yeah, I think. I, you know, part of me thinks he, he may have been onto something. Uh, he, he kind of knew what he was doing in his own way uh yeah, we, yeah. we just couldn't understand him because he was speaking a different language yeah. uh, <laughs> so what is your favorite number to wear and why 81 uh 81 was my uh high school football number um okay. i like 81 uh a lot um probably from my from my football background and i think as a goalie it's pretty dang unique to see a goalie especially wearing a number in the 80s because Again, typically goalies were numbers in the 30s. Yep. Um, yeah, and I, and I, I don't want to be like everyone else, so I like to be unique, um, yeah. different. So I, I rock, I rock the 81. Um, 
So yeah, 81. I like it. So the last question, what advice do you have for young goalies? Don't get, don't get, um, a, uh, don't hyper, don't hyper specialize. Uh, I think playing more sports benefits you. I think playing baseball, playing soccer, playing water polo, whatever, when you're younger, right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't have to make the the full commitment to us, to one, to, to only go one sport over the other, I think you need to be more balanced in in how you prepare and how your body prepares and reacts to different situations, even though, yes, being a goalie is very specialized. Um, I would say don't hyper-specialize when you're young um, until you know that you're making this giant commitment to the game and the sport. Um, don't get frustrated. Again, don't get frustrated um, by setbacks. Don't get frustrated because you are not a day one starter from mm-hmm. on the team that you just joined where you think, Oh, I'm great. And all of a sudden you get there and like, Oh no, this kid's pretty dang good that I'm going up against. Yeah. And now I'm, and now I'm like, Oh no, I, I, this team isn't, I, I, I want to quit this team. I want to go someplace else just because, well, well, this kid is right now as good as you, mm-hmm. or you need to work harder to be better than your teammate or to be better than X, X person or X group of people to even make the team. Yeah. Um, and then just don't, don't let your, don't, don't get burned out. Again, that's hard to tell a, a young goalie, right? Like don't yeah. let, don't let angry parents, don't let um, un, unrealistic expectations burn you out from the sport you love because, oh, every time I go to the, every time I go to practice or every time I come home from a game, Hey, my parents are riding me. Hey, why'd you let this in? Why, why, why didn't you stop all 50 shots you saw? Why, why didn't, why, you know, we lost by one. I think you could have saved X number here. And all of a sudden now it's more of a negative. um, It's more of a negative mindset than a positive mindset. Whereas, Hey, you stopped 40 shots instead of, Hey, you, you, you didn't stop one. Right. And, And for a young player, I can see that being very frustrating very quickly. When I was coaching young kids, I, I would tell them, you know, unless your dad is Mitch Corner or Francois Allaire, after a game, if they're telling you, you know, that you should have done this or done that, just remember they're telling you that because they love you, not because they know what they're talking about. You just sure. have to listen to them and they're like, sure. Sure. Yep, that, that's pretty good. And I would tell the, the the moms and dads that, and they're like, "That's fair." It's like, but I know you're still going to tell talk to him after a game, so just know that they're not listening, and they're not listening. <laughs> I told them not or, to. I am direct. I am directing yeah. them to not listen to you. Just letting you know ahead. Yeah. Of <laughs> well, and and what what you said too about you know when you make a new team, and and if you're not the starter right away you know, don't be down on yourself because you still made the team and there are kids that didn't. And there's nothing more glaring to that than my freshman year of college. We had 26 goalies trying out for six positions, three varsity, three JV. I got, I got the sixth spot beating out a returning goal. And yeah, I, I was number six on the depth chart, but you know what? I knew i there were 20 other goalies sitting in their dorm rooms each night that wanted to be in my spot. And that exactly. helped 
those first few weeks as I had to accept my role. And it was funny because early on in the podcast, I had my college goalie coach on and I said, Donnie, what the heck were you guys thinking? And he goes, you were a locker room guy. You, you know, he's like, your contribution was much more than just stopping pucks. You know, it was the off the ice stuff, you know, and, and everything else. And I said, yep. You know, one of my buddies from high school that went to the same college as me, he always joked. He said, I had the fastest door in the Mayak. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, the, it, it was those in, intangibles that I brought to the team. And sometimes if, if you're not that starter, you know, you do play an important role, whether you realize it or not. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You do. Yeah. So the, the last question, sometimes an important one. Uh, where can folks find you and the Ducks on social media? Uh, at Anaheim Ducks on every single platform. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Same same name across all of them. We love that. Um, myself, at Tyler Pastoya on Twitter. Uh, I don't tweet very often because that's my full-time job. So I don't do a whole <laughs> lot on my, I don't do a whole lot on my own personal channel. Yep. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. It's like the uh, race car drivers that don't like to drive the family. Uh, <laughs> exactly. like, I, I do it for a living. I, I don't yeah. want to, you yeah. know, throw the family in the caravan. And, uh, but I'll, I'll put links to yeah. all of those in the show notes, but Tyler, mm-hmm. thank you. It has been uh, fun chatting with you. Um, if, if you make any of the trips to Minnesota, let me know. I'll, I'll buy you an IPA. Appreciate that, Joe. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I think what you're doing with this uh, this podcast and, and this platform that you're building is, is fantastic. I, I love to see this. Uh, and, and I hope you, well, I wish you much success. And hopefully if you ever come out to Southern California, we'll get you to a Ducks game. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know we'll stay in touch and, uh, Maybe I can work with you to get some of those duck uh, goalies on the podcast. It's I, I know it's tough with their their schedule though. Well, I'll see if Guy, I'll see if Guy can stop on by. We'll oh, I, I would I would love to get Guy on here and talk uh, Division Three hockey and those early days of the Ducks wearing the, the Wild Wing jersey. You know what, what what did the what did the players think of when they walked into the locker room that day? <laughs> I have no idea. That'd be a good question to ask them though. I bet you that'd yeah. be a good question to ask them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Enjoy your evening. Hopefully it's a little warmer than it is here in Minnesota and pretty much anything east of the Rockies right now. (laughs) No, no worries. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, Tyler. Have a good one. Bye-bye. It was so fun talking to Tyler and learning a little bit about the the behind-the-scenes work that goes into an NHL game. I look forward to keeping in touch with Tyler, so be sure to follow him on Twitter at Tyler Pistoia, that's P-I-S-T-O-I-A, and follow the Ducks on all social platforms at Anaheim Ducks. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie, and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some wash-up goalie or tendy talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA podcast show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here. 
but shows like the Weekly Nightly Podcast, the Capture Podcast, and the Bob Matthews Podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly by episode 28 guest Brent Denure, the magazine takes a deep dive into a goalie, usually from the 80s or 90s. In the first six issues, they've covered Potvin, Fear, Chevalier, T-Ball, Reggett, Van Beesbrook, even episode 20 guest mask painter Don Strauss. The latest issue zeroes in on Darren Poopa. I need to thank the band Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. As always, I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. Be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Good news? Well, Dave.